Yo, what is up? You have found We Like the Blazers. I am Brandon Golder, and here, as always, is the effervescent, energetic, absolutely full of just so many rainbows and sunshine. Over here, it's Ryan Whitledge. Ryan, what's up, dude? Not much, not much. Just uh, enjoying the rain that finally came around. I'm, ho- I'm kind of hoping that it uh, it stays for a while. Not we need it. <laughs> yeah. We... I st- and- yeah, I still can't believe that we like what was it? I think for the month of March, like Texas was had more rain than than uh, than Oregon did or something like that. That I thought I saw. It's not good, and it's not just like you can tell. It, it, you know, it's kind of like stats, and then the eye test. Like the mm-hmm. stats about where our like water and snowpack are right now, it's really really bad, and the eye test confirms that. Like it, it feels like it hasn't rained a lot. Like, um, and while. I think this weather was partially responsible for kite surfing lessons getting canceled today, which is kind of a bummer. Uh, When I'm talking to the guy on the phone, he was like, oh, yeah, like it's usually a lot more consistent by June, but like, but we need the rain. So I'm not complaining. And I think that's how I feel about it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's it's also weird because like I think for one, just weather talk in general is is weird, but... And yet I, that, here we are. Well, and that's also my sign of that I'm getting old is because that that is now like my icebreaker of conversation. I, I randomly ran into like three people I had never met uh, out out at a, a bar yesterday. And in each in, instance, I found myself talking weather and I'm like, I am that old guy. Yeah. Is your knee, does your knee let you know when a storm's a brewing? Uh, at, this, at, at this point in time, it's my entire body. I got two bum shoulders, two bum knees, and a bad ankle, so. Well, it's funny because, like, yes, and also, what happened last year was so astronomically terrifying that, like, we were locked inside of our houses because it was, like, chock full of smoke, right? And mm-hmm. that could happen again this year, and that would just really suck. So this is a, a public service announcement. Please be mindful with your fires, you know, and your fireworks, if that's how you choose to celebrate certain stuff. Just please be careful, because it's, it's going to be dry. So anyway... Yeah, it's raining. Uh, the AC still doesn't work. It's pretty muggy for Oregon. I had the fans going, had to turn it off for the pod. So as we record today, uh, I am going to be sweating more and more. Um, and you know who else is sweating is like all of Rip City waiting for whether or not CJ McCollum is going to get traded. And so I wanted to start maybe there. <laughs> a great segment, right? <laughs> or a great segue. Professional. Super professional. I am definitely not slightly sick and like forcing myself to sound like I have energy. Um, but yeah, so, okay, CJ McCollum. So like the, the, the biggest thing that the Blazers could do in order to change their fortunes is to, you know, switch out their second best player for somebody else. And the way I wanted to kind of tee this up is is under these parameters. So Mike Richmond of the Locked On Blazers podcast did a really, really good job of going through a ton of different CJ trade scenarios. He had called up or not called, I guess, emailed different Locked On podcast hosts from around the NBA and said, hey, if you had to trade somebody for CJ McCollum, like what's the highest price that you would give that you think the team would reasonably give for someone like CJ McCollum? I will spare you all the different names he went through, but there were three that stuck out to me. It was a combination of the work he did there and then kind of his own analysis after. 
the three that stuck out to me as being the most realistic, and we can start with any three of these, but I wanted to narrow it down. The names that came up were Chris Stapps Porzingis of the Dallas Mavericks, Tobias Harris of the Philadelphia 76ers, and Chris Middleton of the Milwaukee Bucks. So obviously there could be other trade targets, but when you're talking about somebody who could ostensibly you know, better fit the strengths and weaknesses of Damian Lillard, um, those three players seem to come up a ton. So I'm going to kick it to you. Why don't you pick one of them and just tell me if you would be up or down? And I know this like draft picks and, you know, other players would be involved, but like basically swapping CJ for any of those three, do any of them jump out at you? Do you want to talk about any of them or do you just want to sit there as I continue babbling about nothing and annoying the piss out of everybody who's listening? Oh, I'm supposed to talk on this thing too? Oh, geez, I didn't know. <laughs> Sorry, it was a long setup. But uh, I, I don't know. The, the important thing that I was that I was trying to think about, like especially in regards of like tra- the possibility of trading CJ or whatnot, it's that for one, you know, the we can dream all we want about like, oh, hey, Chris Middleton or Tobias Harris. I'm not even going to reference Chris Stapps Porzingis because he's just being a whiny little bitch in Dallas right now. And that does not appeal to me in any way, shape or form. But uh, so well, it's somebody pretty- on the Blazers was a whiny little something in a different team. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic. I mean, he basically whined his way out of Denver. So, I mean, yeah, well, also, do you want another seven foot tall guy who has injury history and and an attitude problem? I, I don't think uh, I don't think trading CJ he's a lot more reliable than, than Chris Stapps Porzingis is. But so I think you're really like looking at, at Middleton and, and Harris. And, and the big thing with them is that that kind of there, they would provide a more balanced roster. But again, you have to ask what, like, besides just contracts and, and money and, and making it work, what would be Milwaukee's incentive to give up Chris Middleton for CJ McCollum? What does CJ McCollum add to their roster? You can't just look at it and go, Oh, well we want him. So, Oh, we need to trade him for this guy. You know, it, it doesn't work that way. You need, you need to look around the league and say, okay, so what are teams that are currently in need of, of a, a guy who can create his own shot off the dribble has good handles and they're lacking in that that shooting guard position or you know even like kind of like backup point guard or whatnot um obviously um with Giannis uh he he would be it would benefit him but I mean Chris Middleton does exactly what CJ would do uh the more intriguing one is obviously going to be Tobias Harris out of uh Philly but you need them to kind of fall apart here for that to happen because Ben Simmons handles the ball a lot, not really a shooter. Uh, Joel Embiid uh, needs a little more outlet stuff. And while Tobias Harris is a rather up and down player on or CJ would be an upgrade for them, but that doesn't mean that Tobias Harris is a downgrade for us. It just more balances out the roster. If that makes sense. It does. And I would say, so I would actually, let's start with Chris Dops because I think to all to, to you, and to me and to most people, he's like the least palatable of these three. Um, and just to just to reiterate what you were saying, and I agree with you that like when you're looking at these trades, you do need to look at the other team and kind of ask yourself like what 
could they do with a player like CJ and his strengths, which are like elite shot making ability, primary ball handler, um, really good mid range game. I think CJ actually has more room to grow in the mid range. I think you could see him at some point in his career becoming elite in the way that Chris Paul is just abusing that area of the court because he's so good at it. Uh, doesn't really draw fouls. Not the best passer. Uh, is a is a poor defender. I think is a fair way to put it. And so then you do need to look at teams who could use a player like that. And I, I personally think that all three of those teams, the Mavericks, the Bucks, and the 76ers, actually all three of them could fit in a player like CJ um, relatively easily. And I want to dig into more about what they would really get out of it and, and if it would actually help them or just kind of in theory. But let's talk about Kristaps really quick just because he's kind of at the lower end of my list too. So the dude's 25. So he's not super old. He has a long injury history. He was supposed to be, was, you know, he was brought into Dallas, gave up quite a bit in order for him to be the number two behind Luka Doncic. And it's not worked out that way. The box stats say that he's, you know, pretty good at 20 points a game, nine rebounds, a, a block and change. I mean, he used to be a more dynamic rim protector when he was in, in New York. Um, and he's lost a little bit of that, whether it's by scheme or by preference or by loss of athleticism. But here's what I would argue, and I want your take on this. So when I think about trading CJ McCollum, I have sort of abandoned the possibility that Neil Olshay can get a one-for-one talent like equal, like I, I don't think you can get one for one talent for CJ anymore. I think CJ's contract at 30 plus million for many years and him being almost 30 years old, I think that ship has sailed. So I have adjusted my expectations to say that if you value the fit next to Dame more than you do just raw talent, then those are the kinds of trades you look at. And I think this is one of them where it's like, okay, well, Chris Stapps, he's not a small guard who cannot play defense. You know, he's a 7-3, probably plays best at power forward, question mark, can protect the rim at times. Uh, He's a good, not elite three-point shooter. I mean, his attempts have gone up the last couple years, uh, but he's still, you know, right around 37%, which is good, not great. Um can't do anything off the dribble really uh and is a I, in a lot of respects can get abused in the post because he has like a high center of gravity just kind of has like a skinny butt syndrome going on yep but but he plays a position that you know he doesn't duplicate dame's skills in the same way that cj does so even when you look at all of Kristaps porzingis's flaws i mean can you can you talk yourself into well he would be a better fit besides Dame, and therefore it would be worth entertaining this idea? Or are you just totally like, thumbs down, don't do it, bad trade? Well, the other part of it, too, is like it's like I said, again, you got you got to think about this in in that balance perspective. And so you as you stated, like he's he's best as a power forward. OK, so obviously you're and you're not going to trade like you're not going to trade for him, especially if it would take, you know, CJ and some pieces or whatever um, uh, to get Chris steps here. So then you're looking at, OK, you've gotten rid of your shooting guard. Who's going to step into your shooting guard role? You have Dame. You, you are we assuming that norm is coming back under these circumstances yes let's let's say just for this balance fit yeah because, so have, because if he didn't you would be fucked right like exactly <laughs> it's like yeah and and again like and i'll, I'll kind of loop back to this here in a, in a smidge after this chris chris stops thing but but so you have dame norm um in this case you're shoving robert covington 
outer tier small forward. And that that is not necessarily where he excels and where he's a good player. Like he he his body type fits the prototypical mold of an older generation small forward, but now you're playing him out of position. And then you're going this twin towers route where yes, Chris Stapps can play the outside. He is a little he is more mobile than Nurk, but now you're 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 taking him away from the rim and it, it just, I don't know, just fit wise. I don't see it. And then also, I mean, you have foundational building piece, Zach Collins, that's probably going to get a prove it deal. You know, does he just strictly slide to the bench and in, in backup roles? I don't know. I, I, I can see where the, the, talent you could go oh well of course but again it's you always got to look at it and how does it all fit together how does how do these puzzle pieces make make the puzzle have that picture and and the the other thing um with when i had mentioned norm um that is probably if if the blazers are going to trade cj again i think i've mentioned this before it is such a delicate balancing act between making a CJ trade and signing Norman Powell. Cause if you immediately yeah. sign Norman Powell, everybody in the league knows there's the bat signal. That's that's that CJ's gone probably. And that he can, and if we're talking about like his value is 75 cents on the dollar, be ready for his perceived value to drop down to like 50 cents on the dollar. Well, but it, but if you trade him before signing norm, and Norm doesn't sign, then you're fucked. So there's this weird, delicate balancing act that's got to go on with with those transactions. But well, I, actually, you brought up something that we didn't talk about um, before the show. But let's really hit it really quick. Like the likelihood that Norm Powell resigns. So actually, Nate Duncan and Daniel Larue of the Dunked On podcast went through the top shooting guards who were available, and it was Norm, Tim Hardaway Jr. And darn it, one more that were the kind of like the top three that are on the market. And they went through all the teams who have cap space, um, who might need somebody like Norm. And like the best fit they could find besides the Blazers was the Toronto Raptors. And like, <laughs> that's not going to happen. Um, and so they were kind of like, yeah, I mean, like it, it seems pretty likely he's coming back to Portland because the market's just not going to be there for him, which that was interesting. And that was important, I think, for me to hear because I hadn't thought through that. Um, so... What I'm saying is, if that's true, if it is just because of the market of the NBA is less amenable to picking up a Norm Powell into cap space than maybe I would have assumed, if that's true, then maybe signing Norm isn't the bat signal that you would otherwise think it would be. Because maybe then it's not about Norm Powell thinks this is the best place for him because CJ's gone. Norm Powell just thinks, oh, this is the team that literally can give me the most money based on need, right? Like, because there yeah. just aren't enough teams to compete for him. So I would just... But you're right. It's like that notwithstanding, you're right. It's a delicate little tricky balance. And then the other thing, too, is like, what would a starting lineup of Yusuf Nurkic and Kristaps Porzingis look like? That would be super weird. Like, yeah. I'm not exactly sure. Like, I'm trying to, especially if you're like, oh, like Nurk has more playmaking ability that he could take advantage of. Like, what does the court spacing look like? I guess Kristaps can float to the outside. I don't know. Actually, you know what? Like, I, I don't, I'm starting to talk myself into it. I think it'd be no, interesting. No, no. Yeah. Is this your next Kool-Aid? Do I have to slap the glass out of your hand for this one, too? <laughs> I actually do have a, a glass of, of crystal light, which is um, uh, straight out of 1989. Uh, <laughs> but no, like, I, I don't know. I think it's interesting. I, I tend to not want to see Porzingis here, basically because it, two reasons. One, 
I think that he thinks more highly of himself than he has proven, and he's still young enough to maybe trick himself into thinking he can be a superstar, which I think that I just don't think that's possible. And then the injury history is just it, it is terrifying because CJ has been like really reliable, right? Yeah. Um. So okay, well then okay, fine. Is there anything else to say about Kristaps Porzingis before we go on to the other two maybe more desirable targets? Not nothing that I got. I, I already called him a whiny little bitch, right? I already got that out of the way. Yes, you already okay, called okay, him a whiny yeah, little bitch. Yeah. Then we can move on. Good. Very good. Okay. Uh, then let's talk about let's talk about Tobias Harris. Uh, Tobias Funke. Uh, he is <laughs> 28 years old, so he's like a year younger than CJ. Um, he. I am trying to find his contract. Oh my I, goodness, does he make a lot of money? Yes, he does that, that see, it's one of those things like when, um, when you talk about like CJ having a poor value contract, you can look directly at Tobias Harris and go, okay, I don't know what the hell Philly was thinking there, but, uh, all righty then. Well, okay. To be fair, the, um, the max, the, 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 the contract structure in the NBA is such that people on a max contract, the team is getting way more value than the number on the contract because there's like an artificial ceiling, right? Like for example, like someone like LeBron James, the amount of value he had to the Los Angeles Lakers, he should be making like a hundred million dollars a year, right? And so mm-hmm. because of that, you have players who I think honestly, who are on like very close to max contracts where it's like, well, compared to max players, they're not that good, but I think their, their true value may actually be closer to that than we would think. But leaving that weird esoteric argument aside here, here's the deal. Tobias Harris is making next year, 36 million the year after 38 million. And then in 2023, 24, be prepared to pay this dude $40 million. That is a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Next season, after next season, his future guaranteed cash is $76.9 million. And if you want to come, and if you comparatively, after next year, uh, CJ's guaranteed cash is only $69.1 million. Nice. But yeah, that's, it's obviously like he's getting paid a lot of money. So then, what, what, so then what are you getting? Like, you're getting somebody who's a legit 6'8". He's somebody who can guard multiple positions. He's not like a world-beating defender, but he's more than passable. His fit next to Damian Lillard would be much, much more logical. And so in a vacuum, if you were asking me, uh, you know, as contrasted to the Porzingis thing, if you were to ask me, hey, CJ for Tobias straight up, I'd be like, yes, please. Because I think the fit is just so much better. Now, he's not the playmaker that CJ is by any stretch. So you lose something there. Um, he can operate a little bit in the pick and roll, both as the role man and as the ball handler, like a little bit. So he can do that. Um, and the biggest thing, again, frankly, he just has size that CJ doesn't have. And I think would be a much more natural fit. So then you go back to what you were saying, like what would the Blazers lineup look like? Um, and then I'll kick it back to you. But in this scenario, it looked like Dame, uh, you're going to re-sign Norman Powell or else you're fucked. So let's just say Norman Powell. Then Tobias Harris. Covington is slotted in his natural four position. And then Nurk. That's a nice lineup. I mean, I don't know. I like that. It's also that. an expensive lineup. That but is who a, cares, That right? is a damn expensive lineup. But why does that matter? Like, like, well, in my, mean, like if, if you're, if you're going to suck up, I mean, like if you just want to think about it in, the, in that case, like we just looked at his salary for, for next year. So that would be 35 or let's just say $36 million for Tobias Harris, uh, 
39 million dollars for dame uh let's just assume norman powell let's give him 20 i mean you're eh, what? i'll give i'll give him 16 again his market is a little cooler than i thought 16 to 18 but yeah okay okay, okay. but uh, yeah so let's just say 20 throw and and uh, in your starting five you are already capped out basically Hey, you know what? Like you have to maximize James Prime. Like I keep saying that. And in, in my view, as a sports owner would Jody Allen, not so much. Again, it's the dollars and cents for her. But that's the thing. Like I would argue that the dollars and cents of having Damian Lillard maximized is worth more over time than it is to just, you know, to not do that. And so, yes, the Blazers would be locked into their current roster in a, in a bad way. Right. Like, again, like Dame, Norm, Tobias Harris, Robert Covington, Nurk, and then you, you know, pay for Zach Collins for him to come back. Simons, he's going to come up at some point. Uh, you know, who am I missing there? Then they would have like a, a taxpayer mid-level exception and then a biannual exception um, to fill it out. But that's pretty much what you're left with. Nas Little is under contract. Um, but that's pretty much what you're left with. And like, so I think this is the bet you're making on something like this, on a trade like this. You're, the bet that you're making is that Philadelphia would want to have somebody like CJ who's just an elite, elite creator, shot maker, because that's not Ben Simmons. And for as much as Joel Embiid is an MVP candidate, no doubt, I think that in their view, having someone like CJ could really, really help both Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And again, you're assuming that Philadelphia is going to keep both of those players, which I think that they probably will. So I don't know, like to me, to me, this does make sense. Like the money part of it, I hear what you're saying, but I, my, my overwhelming feeling is that Damian Lillard being as good as he is, you kind of have to do everything to maximize his prime, not just to win, but in order to make money, in order to get gate revenue, in order to be exciting, get the national TV broadcast, all that going. And also just in order to be competitive in the years after Damian Lillard has passed prime. So I don't know, like what's your feeling on this? Like just generally, like, would you be excited about this or not excited? Um, do you think it could happen? Like, what's your what's your thought? I have a couple more thoughts, but I've been rambling. Some of it to me also, too, is that uh, like with repeater taxes and all that kind of stuff like that, that was part of the reason why we saw them duck so much and didn't not necessarily adding players when they could have or, or whatever, uh, trying to duck the cap to avoid uh, becoming a repeater. So they, they do have the ability to absolutely spend every single penny that they can, but you, then you have to start looking at it and go, okay, but is that sustainable? Are they willing to pay that tax, you know, go the golden state route where it's like, Hey, their tax bill is basically like just double what their freaking base salary is. Um, is that bringing back enough value and all that stuff? I don't know. Um, I, I obviously I'd like to see them go for it. I'm not, I'm not going to be an idiot and say, no, you know, I, I care about a billionaire, you know, not, you know, saving money <laughs> or whatnot. No, I'm a, I'm an irrational sports fan. S spend all the damn money you want. I mean, hell she, but she smuggled dinosaur bones in. she's, she can do things <laughs> well, like, okay. So maybe this is a conversation for another, another day, but I, I, as of right now, I firmly believe that it's in Jody Allen's business interests to maximize Damian Lillard's prime in, in whatever way, shape, or form that you think that means. So that's, again, maybe that's something for another day. I had one more thought on the Tobias Harris stuff. To me, this is of the... Uh, between Harris and Middleton, I think this is the more likely of the two to happen. I think that with CJ being paid, you know, over $30 million 
in the remaining years of his contract. And actually, I'm pulling up my cap sheet, courtesy of the Dunked On podcast. I am a an insider subscriber, so they have this like Google sheet that goes through the contract situation of all 30 NBA teams. It's actually really, really useful. Uh, but CJ, next year, he's making $30 million. The year after, 33 And then in 2023-24, he's making 35 So as much as that may be a tough pill to swallow, as we were talking about, Tobias Harris makes even more than that. That's what I think makes this deal slightly more likely to happen without having to give up someone like an Anthony Simons or like, you know, future second round or future first round picks. Um, and I, I like, I know that Tobias Harris, like saying that he's going to be your second best player. Like, is that a championship roster yet? No, probably not. But like, it does get you closer. And like, I would just argue that that is important. So is it, would he be the second best player on this? I mean, if you bring back Norman Powell, would you immediately say that Tobias Harris is your second best player? Well, I, I think that you'd have like a a one a, a, a option one and then options two A two B and two C <laughs> between Powell see, Harris and Nurk. But see, I think that's great because then you're you're not just so dependent on one or two guys. Um, r- real quick, do you completely buy the narrative that it's you need to like it is impossible to win unless you have multiple all stars? I've okay. This is a bad question for Brandon because I've (laughs) said it tons of times. Do I actually believe it? No, but with a caveat. Okay. The thing is that like every NBA champion in recent memory, save for like the smallest handful of them have had multiple all-stars. So history would suggest that you need more than one all-star to win. However, there is a prototype of a team that didn't have any ultra super duper stars, but the fit was so good and they had high enough level players that they won a championship. And to me, that's the Detroit Pistons. I know that was a long time ago. I get that. That is actually a great reference. I'm glad that you use that because especially if you look at that team, it's the year after they won all of their roster became all-stars. So I, I do understand that. Like, <laughs> That's interesting. That, I, I do understand that there is, yes, stars win teams. Obviously, the more all-stars you can have on a team, uh, the, the better your chances are going to be. But it, it drives me nuts when everyone's like, oh, well, you know, Dame hasn't played with another all-star since the Marcus Aldridge. You know, Dame is the only all-star on the team. Well, yeah, but on the flip side, say they ran the table this year and freaking got themselves a, a trophy. You think that helps CJ McCollum's all-star stock for next year? Yes, definitely. And that, and that Pistons team is a great example. You look at, you look at Rip Hamilton, uh, Chauncey, Bill- I think Chauncey Billups first all-star selection was after that, but it, it's when teams win, they get more attention and their star and their, their stars are elevated by that attention of winning. But and also, like, here, here's my thought. Wow, there, how like, many caveats can you put into one beginning of a sentence? So many. But and also. Uh, but and also, in addition to, but th- I, I think of it as, like, let's say there are, like, three, di- I'm just making this up as I go, but, like, three different tiers. One tier of NBA team is you have multiple all-stars. Star power wins. In the playoffs, you're playing 41 minutes. Okay, great. Your turn, my turn, or whatever. The second tier is you have players who are at a very high level, and they all fit really well together the third tier is where the blazers find themselves now which is you have 
one MVP level player ish. And then you have a second best player who does not fit his strengths and weaknesses. And therefore the other three people around him. Well, okay, let's say you're going seven deep in the playoffs. The other three starters, five players around those two players have to be a perfect fucking fit. You have no room for error anymore. And so my point is, okay, if the Blazers are not able to get multiple all-stars, which frankly, I don't think that they, I think again, that ship has sailed. I think they can't do it now. Okay, fine. So then you're looking at, we need a better fit and look at that Pistons team, Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton, Rasheed Wallace, Ben Wallace, who is their fifth player? I don't even remember who it was. Um, oh, uh, Tayshawn Prince. Yep. That is a nasty defensive team. And like I know it was a different era of basketball, but let's zoom in a little bit further and look at the Blazers' best team that they've had in the Damian Lillard era 2015. Damian Lillard, Wesley Matthews, Nicola Batum, LaMarcus Aldridge, Robin Lopez. That's also a really good defensive team. The pieces fit well. Yep. And my argument is it's not really so much about, oh, it's two small guards or, oh, it's like you don't have two all-stars. The fit isn't there. And so I, in my view, I think a player like Tobias Harris or Chris Middleton, the fit, you have more room for error on the other three pieces. That's my take. Yep. And that's the exact thing that I was talking about with you need to look at everything in the context of balance. If Dame does this great, but he doesn't do X, Y, or Z, as great, or you don't want him necessarily expending the energy on it, you know, you need to pair him with somebody that is like a Wesley Matthews because Wesley Matthews, like they're, they're not mimicking. And again, you're just creating a balance and you want your roster to be balanced. So Dame is going to tip the scale so far one way that you have to try to balance that out by, by, you know, just Again, balance. Yeah, no, I it's it's yeah, both positionally and with what your strengths and weaknesses are. And you know who I think would balance this roster out real nice? Chris Middleton. He's 29 years old. He plays for the Bucks. Uh, it was it was looking a lot more likely when the Bucks were down 2-0. Actually, I'm going to type in uh, https colon slash slash www.espn.com uh, html. Start of the third quarter, the Bucks are up by five. So no, and, they're not hit the uh, update button and you were going to be sad as I am because five minutes ago in the third, the bucks are up by 13 points, which uh, is a bummer. Um, well, Kyrie did go down. I haven't seen if he's come back into the oh, game. Oh, did he? Uh-oh. Yeah. He, oh, he, uh, he, he landed, uh, somebody, uh, closed out underneath him and he landed and rolled his ankle pretty good, but I have, I have not seen yet what his update is. <laughs> okay. That's a bummer. So, uh, uh yeah. So, I would say that, I, I don't know, like the, the the prospect of Chris Middleton being traded looked more likely when the Bucks were down 2-0. Let me just put it that way in the second yep. round. Because yep. I, I, do, I do think that they, like, if they get to the conference finals and put up a good fight, they're less likely to blow it up. Having said that, let's talk about it. Uh, I think of the three people we're talking about, I think Chris Middleton would be the best fit on the Blazers. I also think that despite his large contract, and he also has his contract very similar to Tobias Harris, uh, $35 million this upcoming season, $38 in the next season, and then $40 million in 2023-24. I think that Chris Middleton is the best of these three players. Uh, he is the, the most versatile. He has the most potential, I think, for... Maybe at times you could you could have him creating offense on his own. Uh, again, a, a passable defender, and he's got size and length. I do think that the fit of CJ on the Bucks would be interesting. I do think so. Like, I mean, look at who they have, like Giannis and Drew Holiday. Um, 
And who else is on their roster? Uh, oh, I literally just closed out their roster. That I had. Uh, okay, by by how many points per game they score? It's Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and then you've got like Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, Dante oh. Divincenzo. Like they could use a CJ. I guess is what I'm saying, right? Like they yeah. could use that. I think. I, now in this case, I think the Blazers would have to give up an Anthony Simons and a future first. Let me ask you this: If the price for Chris Middleton were CJ. Anthony Simons and a future first round draft pick is is that a is that a trade that you would make Ryan Olshay? Yes. Okay. In a in a heartbeat. So would I. And I think some people would say that's a lot, but you know what? Like I, again, like the the fit is so much better with Dame. It really does paper over some of the things that Dame doesn't do well. You also could expand a role for Norm Powell. I think that would be great. You could pick up a bargain basement guard. You know, like a, you bring Shabazz Napier home. Like there's like Ew. Oh, the no. fact that the Blazers didn't have another ball handler on their roster was, I, I think, a, a real big problem. People were calling that out before the season hey, and, started. And the one that I love is that Austin Rivers was sitting on the scrap heap. And I said, I don't know how many times, just go sign him. You're going to get him for super cheap. Guess what? Even if you didn't use him at this point in time, you would have kept him off the effing nuggets. And that looked like it would have been a little helpful. (laughs) Well, that's exactly it. Like there there are enough guards who can handle the ball where you could get somebody to fill in some of those minutes where you need them. And I think that the top end of your lineups looks a lot better with a Chris Middleton than it does with a CJ McCollum. That's just, that's, that's what I feel. That's my opinion. So I, I don't know, question. like quick go. question for you. Yep. We're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pivot into this here. Uh, oh, good God. Is the, is the ultimate goal of the, of the trailblazers? Is it to, for the franchise to win a title or is it to appease Damian Lillard? Quick question on that. The ultimate goal is to win a title, but in my view, you do that through keeping Dame happy slash maximizing his prime. Okay. And Chris Mannix wrote a really great piece on sports illustrated earlier in the week, advocating that maybe it's time for the blazers to trade Dame. And I know we're seeing all, all the things online of him and Nick's jerseys and bulls jerseys and Lakers jerseys. Oh man, the photoshops are out of control. Yeah. By the way, those people need raises. They're, they're doing great work. Doing really good. You think got like the ripples on the jerseys in the movement? Those, those people doing those photoshops need to get hired by the league to appease a team mom so that she stops getting angry every time we get a trade and they don't adjust the player's jersey on their That's right. team picture. Shout out to Tara. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. But but so with Chris with uh Mannix's piece, I'm gonna say I actually kind of agree. And I'm I, cutting your mic in three, two, one, B. I think I'd be okay with trading Dame if you could get commensurate, you'd get a lot more pieces back, and I think you'd be able to fill out the roster a lot better and find yourself closer to winning a championship. But Ryan. And I'm now I'm going to make sure that my address is not posted anywhere online so that nobody comes outside with pitchforks. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm I I wouldn't be as upset as I thought I originally would when I worked through it in my head. But Ryan, first of all, you've made the hair stand up on my head straight up. You can see this now. Uh, No one else can, but he can. I can confirm. I am going full super cyan on this. But Ryan, Damian Lillard, yes or no, is the most talented player that has ever played for this team. Yes or no? No. No. Still still putting Clyde up there. 
Okay, he <laughs> Ryan, Damian Lillard is close to the Poss- most talented possibly, player. Possibly Bill Walton, too. I think, yeah. Clyde Walton. Okay, then I'll, well, then I'll go well, we're going to omit Bill Walton because unfortunately he couldn't stay healthy. So Damian Lillard is close to the best player in the 40, 50 year uh, history of the franchise. He's close he to on, it. He's on the Mount Rushmore. Yes. There is no guarantee that you will find a player this talented in the next 20 years. Like between now and when your children are hosting their own Blazers podcast, there is no guarantee you are going to get a better player than Damian Lillard. And Damian Lillard is still in his prime. And he is relatively healthy almost all of the time. And he is an incredible leader. So in my view, it it doesn't behoove the team, even if you got more draft picks than you knew what to do with. We've seen how that works out for some teams. Sometimes it works out well, sometimes it doesn't. We see what happened with the Celtics. Worked out okay, I guess. Guess not really. I mean, the Celtics. I don't know if, unless you really believe in Jason Tatum and and and, and Jalen Brown, I'm not sure they're going to be title contenders. Even with all the draft picks they they hoarded, look at the 76ers. They're a little bit closer, maybe. But Joel Embiid has injury problems of his own, and if he can't stay healthy, I mean, by the way, Joel Embiid is playing on half of a knee. I don't understand. Like, I feel really bad. I mean, seeing him, like he has like a, a partially torn meniscus and he's playing on it, and every time he lands, he's like wincing and like. I'm really concerned that Joel Embiid. Like this is the last time we're going to see him be this dominant because I have a a fear that he his knee is going to start um, degenerating and it's it's really crappy to say, but hopefully not. But the point is, when you have a player this good, you don't trade them, not when they're in the prime. And I understand what you're saying. Like I think it's helpful as a thought exercise. I don't think that we should like ignore the possibility because the fact that he is in his prime, even on his contract and Damian Lillard is making a ton of money, he could still be traded. Um, Having said that again, like especially for this team, I think this is a major a hundred percent flashing red lights. Don't do it. The exception would be if Damian Lillard is demanding a trade, in which case you're that's out of your hands. We, we will never ever ever hear that if that ever happens i don't agree i think we will never if he legitimately wants to trade i do not think that we it it would be one of those things where we like wake up in the morning and it's hey damian willard has been traded i don't think he'd come out and publicly ask i totally disagree i mean he's the first player to ever like say this is the specific coach that i want no other star player has ever in my memory ever done that and like maybe somebody can roll the tape and and find that's not true but like tons of people whose reporting i really respect also were like yep like i've literally never heard anyone ever do this ever i think damian lillard would be more than happy to do that because we've heard tons of players say that they want out like i don't think that's so unprecedented like i think that is totally within the realm of possibility but let's go back to this insane notion you have of trading dame Make the case. So I'm going to sit here like I'm this big, you know, I, I want to be open-minded and admit when I'm wrong. And like I listen to other viewpoints and my mind has changed. Do your best to change my mind. Make the case for why it would be a good idea for the Portland Trailblazers to trade the best player in franchise history, in my opinion, and a bona fide MVP candidate in their prime in Damian Lillard. Make the case. Uh, 
I hate that you Bro. put me so much on the spot. I would have, I would have written it all that. I, it, 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 I don't have like a legit, like, Hey, look, and you can trade Dame and get X, Y, and Z to me. Again, it just comes back. Like when I look at the Blazers roster or whatnot, or, and, and their salary thing, uh, you have Dame making about, well, 35% of the freaking of, of cap space with a super max. And I just think I, I tend to think about it, like, especially like I equate these rosters to, they should be built like how NFL teams build their rosters. Like the, the best, the best opportunity that you have to win a championship in the NFL is when your quarterback is on his rookie deal. Cause you can spend all your, you have his talent, you have him for cheap and you can spend all your money on getting the pieces around and better. So in this case, I kind of look at it and just like the contract aspect of that, if you have $40 million to sprinkle out for the rest of this roster, or let's just say, Hey, you trade Dame, you get draft picks and, or a couple pieces back or, or whatnot. You know, are you able to better balance out the roster? And again, that I just keep bringing it back to that. And like, hey, could you build a roster in which CJ is your best player? Like, is there a way to balance that out a lot better? I think it could happen, but I don't know. It, it It's stupid. It's asinine. I don't have a great argument. I'm just saying I'm not necessarily opposed to the idea. Well, I'm going to I don't think it's stupid. I think it's important to think through. So I'm going to uh, just throw out a couple things here. First of all, Damian Lillard is making a lot of money. His um, his extension kicks in next year. It pays him thirty nine million next year, forty two million the year after. 45 million in 2003-24 then he has a player option for 48 million in 2024-25 at which point Damian Lillard would be the ripe old age of I think 35 or 36 so the end of that contract is terrifying so there's no doubt about that <clears throat> and I do I do see your point where if you have the ability to retool rebalance that there's a future in which the Blazers could be better that because you traded Damian Lillard, you were able to get there, where if you don't trade him, you couldn't get there. I guess this is my point, and I'll let you chew on this. In my view, the, the balancing the roster thing, it comes with if you have an MVP-level player, then you start there, and you balance literally the rest of the roster around that. And if you don't have an MVP-level player, that's something else. And... I don't know. Let me ask you, like, do you think that Damian Lillard is a top five player in the league? Let's I always, there. I always hate this because my, my immediate gut reaction is to say yes. And then I start like listing names and I'm like, well, crap. Oh wait. And I, I, he is definitely a top 10. Uh, no okay. question. No question. A top seven. I will say borderline top five. And I think that like that, that is probably what I think too. In my view, so, so okay, so you have that piece. He's borderline top five. Then the other piece you have is that Portland historically doesn't really attract the kinds of free agents that other markets do. It's, it's harder for them to get players. Therefore, you have to put like a qualifier or uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? I can't, I can't think of the word I'm looking for. But you have to basically give Portland a demerit for the possibility of ever again getting a player that good. See, I don't know if that if that narrative still holds true. Like, I understand that, like, yes, before it held true when we were trying to woo the likes of freaking Hito Turgaloo and and all that crap. Oh, my but, goodness. But that th- we always think about it in the context uh, of like th- those eras and that time before. But now we we have a completely different landscape in the NBA. You know, uh, players are their own market 
marketers, you have uh, Twitter's a lot more proficient. Um, and just the example of Damian Lillard and what he's done and the brand he's built for himself in Portland. I mean, I don't know if the narrative of it's hard to get star players to Portland still exists. And the thing is, is while Dame's here, we can't test it because we don't have the money. Like, would it still be hard to attract star free agents if you basically had a blank checkbook? Do you, do you think that still would? Yeah. Because like what, what would put Portland above anyone else? Like, I think that if you had, let's say the summer of 2016 and you had Damian Lillard plus a checkbook, Yes. I don't. I don't think his. I. I think 2016 Dame. I. I don't think he had anywhere near the the reach and influence, or had built himself up as much as he. He had a signature Dame. shoe. He was already like signed Every, Adidas. Hey, uh, side note: everybody in the NBA gets a freaking signature shoe. But he 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 has like a um yes, and he has like a top level signature shoe with a top level shoe company. So, all respect to CJ McCollum. We're not talking about leaning. All respect to Kawhi Leonard. We're not talking about New Balance. Talk about Adidas, right? So, like, no, yeah, seriously, the New Balance. The New Balance thing just always cracks me up because Kawhi is such a New Balance guy. No, it's so, a perfect fit. I it's, love it. It's, it's such a dad shoe. I I think it's great, but I, I guess yeah. I there. What is it that if two teams, Portland and one other team, had the exact same amount of cap space, and you didn't have like a star player or a really amazing leader, what are you pitching them on exactly? Like the ownership. Their GM, the city itself, and sorry, I love Portland, but like, I mean, look at it. it's raining. It's the middle of June. It's raining, and, and we talked about it. Like, thank goodness it is raining. But like, what are you pitching people on? Like, like I don't know. Like, I think it still does matter. Uh, maybe to your point, less than it used to, but it still does matter. So I don't know. I, I think. And- one of the things, too, real quick, when you say the city of Portland, were you meaning just the rain or were you throwing that that, that proverbial like, oh, our city's crap, look at the homelessness and then blah, 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 blah. No, not Be- that. But like, like Portland- because I hate I hate it when people do that because the players don't effing live in the city of Portland. They live in Westland. They live in Tualatin. And they live in Lake Oswego. And I don't if know you if you've ever live- been out there. Those are some rather rich and affluent places. The only time that they actually ever venture into the city is a freaking game day. There are it- practice facilities in Tualatin. They rarely see the city of Portland. True. And also, like, if you're closer to it's convenient for me to go to New York or convenient for me to go to L.A. or to go to Miami, even to go to Chicago, like that means more than to go to Portland. Like, and yes, I understand, like you're on the road a lot, but you still play half your home games here. You're spending more time in your home city than you are others. And Portland just isn't that attractive. And it matters less now than it used to because of the Internet. I agree with that. All of this is just to say I I see your point where. Maybe let me put let me put words in your mouth and then we can move on to the coaching stuff. But like basically you think if you would be open to the possibility of trading Damian Lillard if the package were right and if it like basically gave your future the possibility of being great later. Like I, I sort of if if that's what you're saying, I get it. And also, in my personal opinion, I think that having a player as good as Dame means that you just don't trade him unless he asks, like, period. Like, I think you're kind of like, at least until he's out of his prime and then whatever, like, I don't know. So I see what you're saying. I don't think it's asinine. I don't think it's stupid. It's just it's it's just a tough sell for me. But maybe we can dig into it on a different podcast. Any other thoughts on the trading CJ or trading Dame or Middleton or Porzingis or Harris or how you feel about that? 
I'm just enjoying the fact that I may, I've made you say the words trading Damian Lillard a lot. You have so made far. me so upset. Oh, I hate this so much. Okay, um, we're going to move on before I get too mad. Uh, the other thing that we definitely wanted to hit on was that we have clarification on the Blazers coaching search. Uh, we had news, and by the way, I think this is interesting, news from Shams Sharania of The Athletic, right? That's where he's with. Um, yep. I think that's interesting we got news from him because we all know that Adrian Wojnarowski is such a big Olshe guy, and I don't remember Shams being in with Olshe or with anyone on the Blazers, really. So I actually just, I'm just, I think we should all make a little mental note that this news came from Shams. Um, I don't know if you had an opinion about that, but I just thought it was interesting. No, it, 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 it's been, and it's funny too, because uh, every time Jason Quick talks about, you know, stuff dealing with this, he always name drops Shams. Is it Shams or Shams? I don't know. I say Shams. It could be Shams. I think it's Shams, but okay. if I'm wrong, Shams. sue me. But he always name drops drop Shams and uh and Sam Amick and uh, I think it's the three of them in tandem and it's kind of oh. like hey feelers throughout the league so like quick has is the more local one but it's you know then with Shams being as connected as he is Amick having been around as long as he is it's kind of like they get together and and quick is like well I kind of some murmurs of this and then maybe Shams is like oh yeah no for my source over here I heard they asked for permission so I don't necessarily it, it, it's not yes it's not like the Woj thing where anytime Woj tweets something about the Blazers we're like all right Olshe wrote him that presser <laughs> but you know it is a little more like hey they got a spider web their way around the league to get it but they'll still get the information so okay that's fair um so here is the list and i'll let you start wherever you want with this but basically the reporting from sham said that the blazers have narrowed their head coaching candidates to the following uh chauncey billups who is an assistant with the clippers who we have talked about uh, Becky Hammond, who is the longtime uh, San Antonio Spurs assistant coach under Greg Popovich. Don Staley, who is the coach of the University of South Carolina and also the USA uh, Team USA women's coach. Mike D'Antoni, who is an assistant with the Nets. And then Brent Berry, shout out to Oregon State University and former dunk champion Brent Berry, uh, who is an executive with the San Antonio Spurs. So he's in the mix too. So you have Chauncey Billups, Becky Hammond, Don Staley, Mike D'Antoni, and Brent Berry. That's the list. If we were to take this at face value, and I probably would because Sham Shrani is very well respected and all that stuff. How do you feel about this list? And is there any one person who jumps out as like, yes, I'd prefer them over someone else? Uh, I, I feel okay about the list. Uh, I'm a little upset at some of the names, mostly because I've been hearkening that everybody needs to stop thinking that Becky Hammond is going to seriously leave the Spurs. And oh, then yeah, comes, that's right. And, and then it comes out that she is actually going to interview for the Blazers and Orlando Magic or and Orlando Magic head coaching jobs. And I'm like, great. Uh, <laughs> I mean, just to like the basketball gods will spur me. Like she'll be the next head coach just so that the gods can say, haha, you are wrong and make me look like an idiot. Uh, I, I wouldn't be opposed <laughs> to it. I still think Billups is the number one one leading candidate. Um, Mike D'Antoni apparently said that he is extremely interested in the Blazers job and uh, oh my God, I can't, no, not D'Antoni. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And I know let's start there. Why not? Why not? I hate him. I've always hated him. I just disdain him. Did he throw bubble gum at you? What did he do? He kicked my puppy once. No. (laughs) Did Did he tell you that your beard is not immaculately trimmed? Because Ryan, your beard is immaculately trimmed. 
Actually, no, it's not. This thing scraggly as all get out. It looks pretty <laughs> but, good uh, from here. It must be your filter. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> I turned on the pretty filter. Yes. <laughs> but oh. no, and I, I know people like to say, and I make the joke too, they're like, oh, well, if you want, if, you know, you didn't like Stotts, Mike D'Antoni is just like, he's Terry Stotts on crack. And, you know, he does coach some respectable defenses and whatnot, but he is also one of those coaches in which he doesn't adjust a lot. And his coaching philosophy is find what you do well and just keep leaning into it. I mean, we don't have to look any farther than that playoff game in which what the Rockets missed 26, three pointers. And it was just, Hey, we're just going to keep doing it. Cause that's what we do. Not a lot, a lot of, a lot of those were open shots. A lot of those, I, I went back and watched. You can, if you Google, I think it's 27. But like, if you Google that, 27 missed threes in a row. A lot of those were good shots, man. Like, I I wouldn't have taken those back personally. So, okay, so so he's stubborn. Uh, let's talk about that. So, here's my counter my counterfactual to that because I've actually come around on the idea of having Mike D'Antoni as the coach. Where at first I was like, no, 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 no. But now I've come around on it. Yes, he is stubborn he also has a proven track record of empowering his assistants to do their jobs the the big biggest example is jeff bizdelic who is the longtime uh, assistant coach with the rockets under dan tony basically their defensive specialist and guess what when the rockets won 65 games they were a a number one offense, top six defense. And they also surrounded James Harden with people who could play defense, which by the way, hey, Olshay, you should surround Dame with people who can play defense. No, but, that's all coaching. It wasn't the roster. Oh my God. But like, but that's the thing where it's like, I, and they were a Chris Paul hamstring away from winning the title that year, I believe. And even with Chris Paul out, like you said, they had to miss 26 threes in a row, basically to not win that game against the Warriors. They were up three to two. But anyway, in my view, maybe he is stubborn, but I also appreciate that that stubbornness is informed by the people around him. And that is something that as much as I appraise Terry Stotts for the various ways in which I thought he was a good coach, Terry Stotts never really demonstrated that he would relinquish decision-making or autonomy to his assistants in the same way as Mike D'Antoni has. And I think that is actually really, really important. And so for that reason, he's proven he can have a top defense and a top offense at the same time. If he has the right pieces, both on roster and on staff, I've come around on D'Antoni a little bit. I'm not saying he's my top pick, but I've come around on it. Thoughts on that? I agree with everything I picture him as being able to solve the issues, especially if we're going to take uh, executive car salesman himself, Neil O'Shea, at, at <laughs> for his word that this the next coach that comes in is going to need to be able to improve the roster without getting new roster pieces, most likely. Yeah, well, to be fair, O'Shea kind of wavered a little bit on maybe trading CJ. So, like, I... Again, to officially say no for the first time. Right. No, exactly. And like, maybe I'm wrong, but I I don't think the Blazers can contend if they don't trade CJ anyway. So I think it doesn't matter if you have the best coach in the world. It just won't matter at that point. Um, Okay. So that's Dan Tony. So then you don't like Dan Tony. Who is somebody on that list that you do like? I, I still like Phillips. I think he's the leading candidate. I, I think it's it's his job if he wants it. Um, I know, again, Olshay said that they want somebody with proven coaching ability, and Chauncey has only had one year as being an assistant. But I, it's, I, I like the idea of somebody like 
Nick Billis, who's st- he stayed connected. He's played recently enough. He stayed connected enough. He's championship. I, I the idea of of him and his knowledge being able to help a team that, as we look at there now, has. I'm not going to say two undersized guards because I don't need Neil O'Shea out of a bush and yelling at me, but you know, two, two smaller guards or whatnot, you know, uh, maybe maximizing their talent, their ability and whatnot. And he always had great, I, I don't know. I just trust him and I, I'm not as going out and having a flyer on like a first head coach. Cause again, it's, you look at things like Brad Stevens, like he came from college. Nobody expected anything from him. You see things like Nick nurse. I'm tired of constantly going through the retreads. I'd like seeing more people get more chances uh, after Billups. Then I'm probably, I, I probably have to go towards Becky Hammond. I, cause obviously she's been groomed in this Spurs system. There's nobody better to learn or to suck at the coaching teats from than freaking Greg Popovich. So um, Don Staley, is next one on the list. Uh, as you mentioned, University of South Carolina, she's the USA uh, women's coach um, down in Puerto Rico now. Actually, uh, Dia Miller of Blazer's Edge is down there. She posted a couple photos and she, uh, of her while she's doing some of the shoots of the games. And she's like, am I looking at future Blazer's head coach right there? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I wanted to DM her. I'm like, go ask her if she's interested. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know enough about her to, to make an assumption. Brent Berry, does he have any interest in coaching? Like head coaching? There's, I don't, I don't know. know. And like, let me, let me just, uh, so the good summary in my view, Brent Barry is last on my list. Like what coaching experience does he have? Like I, I not- can't, but I can't, I can't, I can't use that as my thing of what coaching experiences you have. Cause then I'm looking at Chauncey Billups. Can't say yay Chauncey bad Brent. When- well, that's, and that's what gets me to my next point. My next least favorite would be Chauncey because like we talked last week about the, the stuff that happened in his personal life and uh, personal life and allegations from when he was with the Celtics. So we don't need to go over that again, just strictly from coaching. Yeah. Like this team, I don't think, can have somebody who has like no coaching experience basically at all a year with the Clippers as an assistant doesn't count in my view. So that that's, that's my take on it. Like I just, I, I don't think that would be a smart move. Um, my next choice up from that would probably be Mike D'Antoni uh, for the opposite reason. It's you kind of know what you're getting with Mike D'Antoni. I've come around on him, though, again, because I think if he has the right pieces and you can power his assistance, I think that's important. Um, my second favorite pick would be Don Staley. And this is that's funny because I didn't know anything about her until her name was floated as a potential coaching candidate. But the reason why I'm interested is you've had a lot of NBA coaches who have come from being successful college coaches to being successful NBA coaches. Now there's also the flip side. You've also had some college coaches who came to the NBA were not successful, but she has a ton of experience as a head coach going back to the year 2000. So yes, it was in the college ranks, but she's been the leader of a team for 20 years. And I think that really matters. I think that her experience at Team USA also really matters. And I also don't think you could ignore that in 2020, she was named the AP Coach of the Year, the USBWA National Coach of the Year, the Naismith College Coach of the Year, and the WBCA National Coach of the Year. She knows what she's doing. And I think that that matters. Now, 
The one caveat is that Don Staley doesn't have NBA experience, and I think that's fair, which brings us to my number one option, which is Becky Hammond. She is a longtime assistant under one of the greatest coaches in NBA history in Greg Popovich. She's a longtime assistant under a franchise which is one of the most stable and successful franchises in my lifetime. She also has... Uh, uh, she has led teams during summer league. She has taken over for pop in spot minutes. She, I think she was the first woman to actually head coach during an NBA game when Greg Popovich, I think got ejected is what happened, but yep. that, that yep. matters less than her years on the bench. And in my view, you're talking about, you don't want to retread. You're talking about something that you don't want, like the same old ideas. You get somebody who's a new head coach, but yet has the NBA experience and has been under the tutelage of someone who really knows. So in my view, that is why Becky Hammond is, would be my favorite in this. Um, and it would be you know separate from the fact that I think she's also the most qualified. It would also, yes, it would be awesome to have the first woman head coach in the NBA and for that person to be with the Blazers. That actually would be awesome, and I'd love to see it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, Talk about the swing of the pendulum. Go from talking about having Damian Lillard endorse Jason Kidd to... <laughs> So then if you end up hiring Becky Hammond, wow, that, that is as far as that pendulum can swing the other way. Well, seriously, and like, look, like I think that people's history does matter. Again, we talked about that last week with Jason Kidd and Chauncey Billups. I think that matters. And I also think it matters that when you have people who are supremely qualified, that they get their shot, right? Like you think about the the pipeline of talent into NBA coaching and it's hard because you don't have a ton of women assistant head coaches in the NBA, which is like the, the most natural way that you would become a head coach would be to be an assistant head coach. And so we need that pipeline to be stronger. We also need women to get the opportunity like Don Staley, who is like a very successful college coach to get interviews. That is awesome too. And it's just, it's, it's like, it's a very difficult chicken and egg thing. It's like, you can't get in without the experience, but if you don't have the experience, you can't get in. Right. And so, so everything that the NBA can do to make sure that women are getting opportunities, they should be doing that. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess for me, like I to see this list of coaches, I was actually pretty pleased. I'm, I'm more or less happy with it. Um, but that's also let me ask you this. So those are the coaches on the list. Like when you go through all of the coaches that are currently in the NBA, would any of these potential candidates make your you know, top five or even top ten of coaches who are currently coaching in the NBA? Like, do you think like this is a list of coaches who are like supreme, like definitely really, really good NBA head coaches? Uh, I mean, I, I, th- I think it's it's. It's a solid list, you know, uh, other names that have been bantied about where that people are trying to keep an eye on is like uh, Mike Budenholzer out in Milwaukee. Uh, again, Woof. I'm just going to say, uh, yeah, that, that one, a lot of people talk about that. I don't fully understand that one because again, if we're going to, we're so pissed about the fact that Stotts was late to make adjustments. Uh, Mike doesn't make any adjustments and that's <laughs> that why his, and if you want to say, Oh, well maybe he can propel the Blazers roster. He has a two time MVP, a defensive player, the defensive player of the year. And he hasn't been able to maximize that talent yet in, in Giannis. So I don't think he's proven that he has the skills to maximize Dame's talent, but 
Um, no, I, 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 I like this coaching list. I, I, I'm okay with it. If these are the finalists, um, I try, like I said, I try not to put so much emphasis on like, Hey, do they have this NBA experience? Do they have, you know, this, that, or the other, because I mean, look no farther back than Steve Kerr. First time he ever had any sort of coaching job in anything in the NBA 2014 when he heard for the Warriors. That's true. I, I guess my point, and it was a loaded question, and you you artfully dodged it. You surely should c- c- consider a career in politics. My, no, I don't need those skeletons coming out. I don't need people digging into my past. <laughs> <laughs> my, my point with asking was, in my view, there's not a particularly strong coaching crop right now you don't have you know multiple coaches who are proven who are either you know fired for whatever reason or deciding to move on and i i think that like we should be mindful that i'm not sure that olshay really had a plan for firing stots behind i want chauncey billups because that's what it seems like right it seems like yeah. Olshay really wants Chauncey Billups and that Dame is okay with it. And therefore that's, what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think we should all prepare ourselves for that. You know, eventuality is maybe too strong of a word, but like, but is Chauncey Billups like a, a surefire, like going to be a good coach? Like, I don't know. And so I'm actually more excited about some of the coaches around Chauncey Billups in that list than about Chauncey Billups himself, because I just don't know how you evaluate somebody who doesn't have experience doing a thing. I don't know. And I don't think that we can say with the yeah. straight face that like, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I just, but, but, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? We could go round and round about it. The, 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 well, the part I love too is that, you know, when Olshay does his press conference and he comes out, and by the way, I mean, I like the fact that we've only dabbled a little bit in it, but that ship was just batshit insane. That um, was a wild ride. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was quite the roller coaster. But when he's talking about like, we're going to do an extensive search, is we're going to take our time, yada, yada, oh, we yada had, 20 we had, to 25 we candidates. Had 70 people. We had five <laughs> days. Yeah, we had five days to whittle down, uh, and and here we are, and we already knew most of this list. So Absolute bullshit, but, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's specul- It's fun to speculate with this coaching stuff, but we don't we don't know much. There was one other issue, unless you got anything else on coaching that I wanted to touch on, because it's the other big news that set everybody uh, aflame uh, this this week, and that is the Blazers moving from NBC Sports Northwest to Root Sports. Oh yeah. If, if I'm not mistaken, you don't have a cable package, right? You do a lot of your stuff streaming wise. You know. I find the absolute most legal and verifiably acceptable ways of watching the Blazers as anyone possibly could. So, no, I don't have cable. Oh. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, from Ryan Green from my other podcast, he he has the YouTube TV subscription. And one of the benefits of, of that has always been that you can share it with up to five people. Don't have to be in the same oh, Wi-Fi cool. or anything like that, and three uh, three people can watch at the same time. So he's pay, you know, he's I think it's up to like seventy five bucks or something like that for the subscription. But we we all kind of like kick in like twenty bucks, you know, a month or whatnot to kind of bring it down, and we all get the benefit of it. And, you know, YouTube TV it's now expansive enough. There's over I think eighty channels, but um, Root Sports is is not on there. And I I think about this move. I understand understand it because it doubles the the viewership base from like i think 1.1 million was the reach with uh um when they were on nbc sports northwest 
uh, to like 2.4 million households they're now into. I get it, but I laugh at it because I'm like, great. The Blazers have now solved the problem of 2014 after every single other person on the planet (laughs) who cared to watch the game has solved the issue for themselves. Yep. No, exactly. Um, Yeah. And I, I mean, I also like leaving that piece aside and like, why can't they, well, wait a minute, hold on. I think that I saw something like root sports is in negotiations to like maybe get on YouTube. They've been, they've been negotiations though for a while. I think, I think now what plays in their favor because they do have their own streaming app per se, but I think it's on, um, was it Apple TV or something like that? Uh, but it doesn't have the world's best reviews for, for, you know, how, how good that app is or whatnot. But, but now, um, they, they have the Kraken, they have the rights to the Kraken and that'll be starting up. And so then with adding the Blazers, I think this kind of helps their portfolio if they want to go to something like Hulu or, or YouTube TV and say, look at this and look at what we offer. But at the same point in time, how many channels are we talking about adding? What kind of geofence are you going to put around it? Because root is uh, that, that it's Seattle. All this programming is Seattle based. And I think I hate to give Kanzano credit for anything, but he put together a good, a good <laughs> little, a good little piece about talking that now Oregon does not have its own sports media personality for it anymore. You, there is no like Oregon regional, but you, how are, how are they going to geofence this? How many root channels are there going to be? Because Mariners games and Kraken games and blazer games are all going to be on at the same time. Uh, you lose all the individual programming and whatnot, but I I'm just curious how it'll all look like, but I, I think, yes, they do have a stronger position to go to these streaming services because of everything they have now, but I yeah. don't, I don't have, confident that it's going to work because rumor has it they've been trying to get on these streaming services for the past two three years i think what you just said though they now have the portland trailblazers and i think that that matters because the blazers have more fans than anyone in their package except the mariners well oh wait that's the seahawks too right no root is not uh is not a seahawks package Okay, but they have the Mariners, carry. right? Yes. So I don't, yes, it is. It is. It's Mariners, Timbers. I think they have the Sounders, um, the the Kraken. Um, I want to say they have one of the colleges. Portland Pickles. <laughs> Just kidding. That'd but yeah, awesome. and the Blazers. So, so but but uh, to your point, I think having the Blazers, you're right. It gives them a bigger bargaining chip at those negotiation tables. It really does say. Now take a look at us. And I think that matters. So, okay, so maybe they get on streaming services, maybe not. But what I I did want to take a second to say that, like, I really appreciate the people who work and worked at NBC Sports Northwest because a lot of them are going to be losing their jobs. And that really sucks. Like, anytime something like this happens, there's a human element of this. And there were so many people who worked incredibly hard all the time. And, you know, some people who maybe I agreed with more than others, but like it really it is a bummer. And I just want to say that you all, I hope you land on your feet. And I, I'm sorry that that happened because that sucks and it's totally out of your control. Um, yeah, so just, I, I, I concur with that. Yeah. So I, just, I, I, I was maybe a little bit of an asshole when this news was first being rumored a couple months back. I wasn't necessarily aware that Root didn't offer a lot of its own like 
programming kind of like how NBC sports did in which they, you know, do things like blazers outsiders and talking ball and talking ducks. And so there, there was a joke or two that I maybe made offhand comments about like, Oh, okay, well, I guess they're just going to be getting new logos on the building. And I got, I, I know most of the people, much like you, most of the people that work in that building. And I got a couple DMS afterwards and they're like, uh, dude, no, uh, this happens. We're all effed. That's, I mean, that's totally not your fault. Like you didn't know, like, what are you going to do about yeah. it? Um, and yeah, and- I, I just, I just figured they'd all move laterally. They'd yeah. be like, okay, well, we don't work here anymore. Here. We work here. And I, I'm sure there's going to be like, uh, th- there will be people who are going to have an opportunity to work with Root, right? Like they're going to need people who know the Blazers and those people, a lot of them are with NBC Sports Northwest. So like, I'm, I'm sure that's going to be um, possible for some of those folks. But all of this, like for me, I will just say, as somebody who, again, takes advantage of streaming services, <clears throat> like, this affects me not at all. And, like, to me, like, the various blackouts that, that that happen, the fact that I don't have a television, I don't want a cable package, I don't want someone putting a satellite on my house. Like, our place actually has, like, ancient satellites that are now rotting and the cords are swaying in the wind. Like I don't want any of that. Like I pay for fiber. I pay for gigabit internet, which is, you know, pretty costly. And I should, as a consumer, I should be able to a la carte pay for, I also want the blazers on top of that. If you're not going to give people like me an option to do that, then I will find a different way to access the com the content. And guess what? You will get zero of my dollars. So good job. Yep. Um, so that's how I feel about it. And again, you know, uh, I, I know it's more complicated than that, but yeah. So to me, it, personally for me, I know lots of people are different, but it's not going to affect my viewing experience. Thankfully. Yeah. I, it's actually the, the one big thing for me is that, uh, I think if they don't end up with something on, on like YouTube TV, <laughs> Barely and Green is going to cancel his YouTube subscription for that. And uh, I watch it, me and the wife watch a crap ton or on YouTube TV than anything else. We are still some of the weird people that there are shows that we tune into you know, uh, uh, on on basic programming and whatnot on a weekly basis. You got to catch uh, the yeah, newest and- episode of Project Runway. I know that you are a huge fan. I really want to make fun of that, but uh, I am also really excited tomorrow for the season finale of Below Deck Yachting. So, <laughs> <laughs> I will just say I've talked about it. Like uh, Cassie and I are, are burning through all the seasons of Project Runway. I think it's a great show. I love it. I love it. I and they always have someone from Portland. It's crazy. Like the we're like on season eight. It's like the third season mm-hmm. in a row they've had someone from Portland. They also had someone from Vancouver. So your your hometown or not hometown, but where you live. Um, I just think it's interesting. So, yeah. So okay. no, I, and the wife will be very sad if if that goes away because I don't think we individually are going to pay seventy five dollars, but maybe I'll find Need. some friends we can split it with. But yeah, either way, anything else? We got anything else? I think that's pretty much it, man. We're trading. We're trading, Dame. Okay. Then we're not trading, Dame. God damn it, Ryan. Jesus, got to end on that note. Um, but if you want to make fun of Ryan for wanting to train Damian Lillard or any of the other opinions that we have shared on today's show, you can always find us at welikeTheBlazers.com. Also, check us out on any podcast app. It's just We Like the Blazers. We would appreciate your follow, your subscription. And also on Twitter, you can find us at Like the Blazers. Ryan, where can people find your stuff? Actually, you're not a guest. Why would I do that? Actually, okay, let's do it. All right. You can find me. They they can find my stuff right here. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. You can find us exactly where we are 
Um, that's it. Why do I feel so awkward taking this out? That's it. Great, great show. I appreciate it. Um, it's raining. Good, good job, you. Good job, you too. I, it's raining. I think I have a cold or something, so I'm, I'm, you know, at like eighty percent. That's it. Appreciate you all. Thank you for listening. And go Blazers. And don't trade Dame. Go Blazers. Trade Dame. Gotcha. <laughs>